You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. I have an awesome opportunity this morning to introduce to all of you a very good friend of mine. Um, and so there's a lot um, there's a lot I can say, and there's a lot of like accolades, and I could go down the list of accomplishments and those kinds of things, uh, but that's not what I'm going to do. Um, what I, what I want to say about my friend Trent is that uh, Trent loves Jesus. Um, he loves the bride of Christ, the church, and his bride, but he also loves the bride of Christ, the church, and he loves this church. Uh, he cares for your pastor well. Um, and he loves the Word of God. And so all of the uh, accomplishments are only because he has placed his faith and hope and trust in Jesus. Um, and he uh, is a part of our network. Uh, he is one of the board directors for GCC, which is Great Commission Collective, which we've joined over the last few months, um, that have poured into my heart and my life and our elders. Um, and so I have the honor of introducing to you Trent Griffith. So would you guys give him a warm welcome, church? Good morning. Open your Bible to John chapter 8, and as you're getting there, let me return the favor. Uh, my new best friend is Bill Vecchio, and uh, we met in November because I was on a crazy journey seeking the Lord about what's next for us uh, in our journey in ministry. Um, had the privilege of planting a church in Granger, Indiana, right outside of Notre Dame, South Bend, that area, in 2009, and so I'm a church planter at heart, and so when I, when I meet another church planter, he immediately becomes my new best friend, and uh, I have often said that before God plants a church, God plants that church in the heart of a church planter, and I don't know if Bill could have seen uh, four, five years ago he doesn't even know when it kind of started, but I don't know if he could have seen that, what, what is happening today. I want you to know that what, it, what God is doing in your church, number one, is unusual. Number two, is a miracle. And number three, you are probably taking for granted. Don't do that. There is life here. God has given you a gift in your pastor and his wife and their beautiful little girls. Uh, they remind me so much of where we were about, I don't know, 20 years ago. I, we're old, and so I don't even remember anymore. But uh, it is a privilege. It is, it's a privilege to be able to invite a congregation to open the Bible in a place, and they actually do it. They actually brought one. They actually know what a Bible is. They actually know how to get to John chapter 8. Maybe that's not true of you. Maybe you're here for the first Sunday just like me. And so uh, just like me, you're getting to know what God is doing at Fort Myers Community Church. Um, thank you so much for becoming a part of Great Commission Collective. You're learning those three words and how they fit together. Uh, that means that you are part of a much broader family internationally that God is working in our churches, over 150 churches over the uh, over the globe, and uh, I have the privilege of serving on the board. Spent three days this week with Bill and a, about 10 other pastors in Florida, and our heart's cry was that God would do in Florida what he is doing in your church, in every community, in every neighborhood. And so join us in that prayer. Thank you for that investment. And um, a few weeks ago, when Bill invited me to preach, he assigned me the text. 
He actually gave me my choice. He said, you have your choice of seven, seven different options because I'm preaching through Jesus's I am statements in the book of John. There are seven of these, and uh, I have gone back and I listened to all three of Bill's sermons on the first three of these. And uh, so now today is number four. And he actually gave me the choice of which of the I am statements to do. So I'll tell you in just a minute which one. Uh, I'll tell you right now the, the one that I have chosen. And we'll just look at uh, John chapter 8 verse 12. Let's read that together. Eyes on God's word. If you're ready, say, read it. Verse 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What we're learning in this series is everything I need, Jesus promises he is. Jesus says, everything you need, I am. And because I am hungry, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Because I am trapped behind a locked door of sin, Jesus says, I am the door. And because I am as dumb as a sheep, Jesus says what? I am the good shepherd. So that brings us to today. Maybe you heard that there's been some new scientific research done at the University of California. They released a study that revealed a new therapy that does a lot of things for our health. It lowers cholesterol. It lowers blood pressure. Anybody need a little lower blood pressure? Bill's got his hand in the air. He's a pastor. He's got high blood pressure, of course. So it lowers blood pressure. Um, it stimulates th the thyroid, thyroid gland, which increases metabolism, resulting in weight loss. Increases calcium consumption, increases male hormones counteracting effects of aging, increases cell the cell's ability to destroy invading foreign substances. It helps in recovery of bipolar disorder and depression. Improves circulation in those diagnosed with diabetes. You know what the new therapy is? It's called light. You should get some vitamin D. And so those of you that have moved from another state where the sun doesn't shine to Florida, you know the effects of light. Here's the big idea of the message here this morning. Jesus said, I am the light of the world because I'm afraid of the dark. And dangerous things happen in the dark. You bump into things, you get lost. And yet Jesus speaks into the darkness and says, I am the light of the world. So we're going to learn three things here this morning, and uh, they're printed for you in the outline. All your works, all your homework's already been done, unless you want to jot something else down. We're going to learn the characteristics of the light. We're going to hear the claim that Jesus made to be the light, and then we're going to hear the call to follow the light. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to learn the characteristics of the light. Now, Jesus is using a metaphor. You understand that Jesus is not talking about metaphysics here. He's, he's not claiming to be the, the light that we're looking at and, and, and that we see all around us. Jesus is using a metaphor for what light does. So if you want to properly understand the person and the work of Jesus, you have to know something about the light, which takes us back to your um, 11th grade physics class in high school. Do you remember studying light? I remember in my physics class, there was this big debate going on among scientists as to whether or not light was a particle or what? 
a wave. The, some of you physics, you made A's. Uh, homeschooled. That's right. Miguel was homeschooled, so he knew that. Uh, those of us that went to public school, not so much. Anyway, we, scientists have not settled the debate. We don't even know what light really is. We don't know if it's a particle or a wave. And yet Jesus says, I am the light. Now, darkness and light have been having a war since the beginning of creation. They've been in conflict. That conflict is actually raging right now in this room. The first thing that we understand about light is that light illuminates. On the first page of the Bible, in the first three verses of our Bible, God's revelation to us, do you know what he talks about? He talks about the conflict between darkness and light. The Bible opens with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, what were the first revealed words of God? Let there be what? Light. And there was light because the creation obeys when God speaks. And there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. So light illuminates. And so we, we, we feel the darkness. Has anybody experienced any darkness this, this week? Have you been watching the news? Do you feel it pressing in around you? Every day we have an encounter with varying degrees of darkness. Maybe there's darkness in the difficulty you're facing with some healthcare issue. Maybe there's darkness in a relationship issue. Maybe there's darkness in your marriage. Maybe there's darkness in your finances. Lord knows there's darkness in the government. So we, we sense all of this around us here. But we understand that our war is not with physical darkness. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. It is the reality that as we live in a fallen world, we are going to encounter various degrees of darkness against spiritual forces and evil in the heavenly places. If you were paying attention to the news this week, Andrea and I were um, ministering last weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. And we were in Nashville on Monday when we heard the news reports coming out of Nashville that a shooter had invaded the Covenant School and taken the lives of three nine-year-old children and three adults in a carefully planned massacre that involved drawings and maps con conducting surveillance over the building. Listen, that happens because of a degree of darkness that is invaded in this world. One of the children that was killed in that massacre was named Evelyn Marie Dicus, age nine. This is the way that her obituary reads. Evelyn Marie Dicus, age nine of Nashville, Tennessee, returned to her heavenly father on March 27th, 2023. In one word, Evelyn was a light. Her legacy will forever remind us to follow the example she set, shining light and love to others always. 
And in lieu of flowers, her family is asking that friends consider a donation to the Evelyn Dykus Shining Light Fund, a charitable fund set up to support the causes that her family believes in. There is darkness all around us, and and yet it's not just something that we encounter outside of us. The darkness sometimes presses into our own souls. There's not only an external darkness, there's an internal darkness. There's a a darkness within us. Some darkness is not of our own choosing. There's darkness that presses in so much that sometimes we have this overwhelming, heightened sense of fear and anxiety. We may feel shame and guilt for sin that's already been forgiven. Others of us may be overwhelmed with a sense of loneliness or hopelessness or worthlessness, maybe even to the point of depression, maybe even to the point of self-harm, or maybe even thinking of taking revenge and harming others. The reality is this. The Scripture teaches that the shooter that took Evelyn's life is really no different at their core than me or you. Without the grace of God, without the shining light of Jesus into a dark, cold heart, I'm as capable of that kind of sin as that shooter. And you probably feel that as well. So some darkness is not of our own choosing. Other darkness is of our own choosing. Through disobedience and sin, we choose to walk in darkness. But here's the hope. Here's the hope of the scriptures. And it was recorded for us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The prophet Isaiah looked forward to a day when God would bring light into the darkness. This is what he said. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And he was looking forward 700 years to when Christ would come in the form of a child and grow up and live a life that we would never live and die the death that we deserved. So what does light do? Light gives life. Now, I don't know about you when, again, public school here, but when I, rem- I have a very vivid memory of being in the third grade and my teacher giving me a bean and a styrofoam cup that had some soil in it. Am I the only one that got the bean? Did you get the bean? And you put the bean, smashed it down in the soil, and the teacher said, we want the little children to come and put the cup in the closet. And you come back a week later, you open the closet, and what do you see? A styrofoam cup and soil and no bean. And she says, now we want you to come, and we want you to put the, the cup in the, in the window. And we come back a week later, and what do you see? You see life. Because the bean that had the potential for life has now been exposed to the source of life, the light. So light gives light. Light reveals truth. I don't know about you. Um, Sometimes flip on the switch and you see these little critters run for cover. (laughs) Little cockroaches that like to do things in the dark, but when they're exposed to the light, what do they do? They run for cover. So light reveals truth. You got a cockroach problem that you didn't know about in the dark, but you turn the light on and it exposes. Sometimes you go to the dentist and you open your mouth and that, that is a dark dwelling in there. 
and you open up, and oh my goodness, there's been disease and all kinds of stuff, you know, working around in there causing great damage. You have to open it up to the light. Light reveals truth. Light also brings joy. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, we lived in South Bend, Indiana. If you talk to my wife very long, she will give you some statistics about South Bend. 74 days of sunshine every year, 80 inches of snow. Okay. So, and then there's this phenomenon that happens in, in South Bend about 10 minutes before sunset. So, the clouds give you this permacloud thing, but the sun finally reaches the point to where it's peaking under the clouds, and then it disappears. Just to mock you um, for living in South Bend, right? You think, it's like, oh, you know, so anyway, listen, light gives life. Life, uh, light gives joy when you see it. Just something refreshing about being in the light. Now, light not only illuminates, light irritates. Am I the only one who had a father that had no compassion on your soul when you were sleeping? And it was time for you to get up and, and get out of bed. And your father just came in and turned on every light in the room. It's very irritating when you want to sleep in the dark and the light shines in the dark. So light can be irritating. And also, here, sadly, light can incinerate if you get too close to it. Isn't it interesting? The sun, the very thing that we need for life, if you get too close to it, will actually take your life. If it's not filtered, if it's not mediated. And so when Jesus talks about being the light, he's trying to teach us something. He wants to bring life. He wants to reveal truth. And he wants to bring us joy. But if we're not in proper relationship with the light, it can actually have the potential to incinerate us. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So let's hear his claim to be the light. What is he saying here when he's saying, I am the light of the world? Does everybody understand that Jesus doesn't speak in a vacuum? That every page in the Bible is connected to every other page in the Bible? That the Bible only has one story? It's not a bunch of Bible stories. They're all, it's a link in a chain. The whole story is about, about Jesus. And so when we read the Old Testament, we're reading about Jesus. Reading the New Testament, it's all about Jesus, right? So we've already read from the first book of the Bible. Do you understand what happens in the second book of the Bible? So Moses has this encounter at a burning bush. And he realizes he's in the presence of the divinity in the book, and God speaks to him. And God tells him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is like, okay, who should I tell them is sending me? And God gives Moses his name, his covenant name. Do you know what he says? I am. You tell them I am sent you. I don't know about you. If I'm Moses, I'm asking God to fill in the blank because there seems to be a blank at the end of that statement. I am who? I, I am what? Do you know what Jesus did in John with those seven I am statements? Jesus filled in the blank. It was Jesus speaking out of the bush. And Jesus says, revealing to us the complete statement, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus' claim actually 
is spoken into a context. We've only read one verse here this morning. As a matter of fact, it's like we've read some other scripture here. But I want you to understand something about your Bible, okay? Now, how many of you have a paper Bible? Hold up your paper Bible. Do you have one? Remember these ancient things that used to have print? Okay, good. How many of you have an electronic version? Hold that up. That's a phone. Okay, that's okay. If you got the right app, you're in the right place. I want you to notice something, okay? Notice something about your Bible. Chapter 8 comes after chapter 7. Did you get that down? Did you write that in your notes? I'm so glad I came to church this morning. I learned something, okay? I want you just to look back at chapter 7, and I want you to look. Actually, do you see verse 8? What's the first word of of chapter 8, verse 12? We just read it. What's the word? Again. Again is a connector to something Jesus has already been saying. So if you go back to chapter 7 and you look in verse 2, notice what is happening. Chapter 7, verse 2 says, Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. In other words, it was the beginning of a week-long celebration, a seven-day celebration into which Jesus was coming as a good Jew to celebrate the beginning of the Feast of Booths. Now let your eyes go down to chapter 7, verse 14. Notice what it says. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Now let your eyes go down to verse 37, chapter 7, verse 37. Notice what it says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. By the time you get to chapter 8, verse 12, we find out what Jesus was teaching and what Jesus was crying out. It's just one long, continuous week of the ministry of Jesus. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he is not speaking into a vacuum. If you want to understand about Jesus being the light, you have to understand something about the Jewish feast of booths. So everybody just tell me right now what you know about that. I don't know much about that because I'm not a Jew and because I don't regularly spend time in the book of Leviticus. Okay, so let's talk about what this Feast of Booths is. Now, this is something I didn't know until I dove deep into it here. And here's what we have to understand. This is a great thing. You'll love the Jewish people. The Jewish people love a party. And God loves for the Jewish people to love a party. As a matter of fact, God gave them seven feasts or celebrations that they were to, um, to engage in over the course of the Jewish calendar. And one of these was the Feast of Booths. It's articulated in Leviticus chapter 23. I think we're going to put them up on the screen. Notice here in verse 41, he says this. God says, you shall celebrate. Doesn't that make you love the Bible more? Does God want you to, God wants you to celebrate? Why do we spend like 20 minutes at the first part of every service celebrating the goodness and the provision and that he is to be magnified and he is Jehovah Jireh who provides and I can be content in everything that God is? It's because God wants his people to celebrate. You didn't know that verse was in Leviticus, did you? What's Leviticus about? It's about a celebration. That's exactly what it's about. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. 
It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Seventh month. You shall dwell in booths or in tents for seven days. How many of you like camping? You would have loved the Feast of Booths. Take your whole family out of your house, move them out into the wilderness and put them in a tent for seven days. You're like, no, thank you. All right. That's exactly what they were to do on an annual basis. The feast of booths. You shall dwell in booths for seven days and all native Israelites shall 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 dwell in booths that your generations may know that I have made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Notice the next phrase. I am. I am the Lord, your God. And so Jesus coming into Jerusalem, like every good Jew, came in at the beginning. He began to teach in the middle, and he cried out on the great day. Now, the Feast of Booths was, was essentially because God didn't want his people to forget how good God had been to them. He provided water for them in the wilderness, and he provided a way of escape for them As they were wandering in the wilderness, God gave them these two great symbols. Do you remember there was a pillar of cloud by day and there was a pillar of what by night? A pillar of fire illuminating the light at night. And whenever the cloud moved, the people moved. And whenever the light moved, the the people moved. God didn't want them taking one step without his leadership. And so all of the Feast of Booths was meant to do is to remind them how God was their leader. God was their Lord, and they weren't to take one step without his leadership. Now, in the middle of this week was the water ceremony. Here's what happened. The men would grab these huge golden pitchers. They would run down to the pool of Siloam and fill up the pitchers. They would run back while they're dancing and the, the orchestra's playing and the worship band is playing. And they would pour the pitchers out and it would flow down the, te- the steps of the temple. It was the water ceremony, and it was, again, reminding them that God had brought water out of a rock in the wilderness to provide for them. And so people were just rejoicing and celebrating a big party atmosphere. The second part of the ceremony was the light ceremony. I think we have a picture of what was going on there in the the temple, if you want to throw that, that first picture up. In the temple area, in the courtyard area, there were these four 75 foot torches. Each of the torches at the top had four bowls on top of them. So you had these 16 torches around the temple area filled with 10 gallons of oil. The priest would throw their garments in there. It would act as a wick. They would ignite them. And for seven straight days, there was light pouring out from the temple that illuminated the whole world for seven straight days. Why? Because God didn't want them to forget he was the light. It was at the moment of the last day, that great day, that Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. 
You don't have to have man-made artificial light anymore. You don't have to settle for ceremonial religion anymore. You don't have to keep looking back to what God did in the past. I am the light. I am the one that spoke out of the burning bush. I am the one that guided you through the pillar of fire in the middle of the dark night in the wilderness. I am the one whose glory filled the temple. I am the one that you are memorializing. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is described as radiant light. Jesus' claim shut down the ceremony. Because people are like, wait, wait. First of all, you just used the words I am. Nobody's allowed to use those words except God. And so Jesus was equating himself with God. It brought a great reaction against religious people who love their ceremonies and are content to just go through the motion of religious activity. And Jesus was inviting them not just to go through the ceremony, but understand the meaning behind the ceremony. Don't be content with religious exercises. Don't be content with going through the motions of scraping yourself out of bed on a Sunday morning and dragging your family to a place of worship and then having some words on a screen and a worship leader sing some songs and you feel like you're walking out of church doing your religious duty. That's what the Jews did. And through the whole process, they missed the fact that Jesus was in their midst. And Jesus was inviting them to follow him. Which leads to the third point. We must heed the call to follow the light. Jesus goes on to say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus invites us to follow him fearlessly. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you're living with a sense, a heightened sense of fear and anxiety, as you read the, the accounts of the darkness all around us, if you're feeling a sense of darkness in your home or in your school or in your workplace, listen, you do not have to be gripped by fear. If you are following Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The light of God no longer has to incinerate us. The light of God has been mediated, filtered by the sacrifice of Jesus who absorbed the darkness. Do you remember what happened when Jesus died on that cross? There was a darkness that came over the whole world. Jesus died in darkness so I could live in the light. For those of us who by faith will 
in, uh, respond to his invitation to follow him. So we can follow fearlessly. Some of us are gripped by fear from some scar or pain that we experienced in the past. Maybe your fear relates to a, a radar signal of a coming storm out in the Gulf because of what you experienced six months ago in this community. And if now when you see the clouds start to arise and the warnings start to come, if you are gripped by fear, listen, there's appropriate precaution, obviously, but you don't have to be gripped in fear to realize that even if I lose my life, that's the best day of my life. Because, I mean, you've heard the term, like anything that doesn't kill me, what? Makes me stronger. You realize that anything that does kill you makes you perfect. You realize that? Like, what are you afraid of? Going to heaven? Being with Jesus? Not, being, not living and having con confrontations with darkness anymore? I, I've got a good friend over here. His, his name is Kent. And Kent is one of the best soul winners, the best evangelist I know about. You, you don't come in close proximity, proximity to Kent without him presenting the gospel to you. I don't know what Kent's going to do in heaven. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no darkness in heaven, right? It's like Kent's going to be really bored. It's like he's going to have to find a new hobby. And there's no golf in heaven either. That's in hell. So we don't, we don't even go there, all right? So follow fearlessly. Secondly, follow brilliantly. Follow brilliantly. Ephesians chapter 5, verses, verses 8 through 11 says this. At one time, you were darkness. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? God just called you darkness. It doesn't say you, you had some dark moments. It doesn't say you, you had some dark thoughts. It doesn't say you did some dark things. You went to some dark places. It's like, yeah, you did all that because you were dark. You were darkness. But, aren't you glad the Bible didn't end there? But now you are light in the Lord. And so he gives you a command. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, expose them. The reality is this. There are moments throughout my week where I choose to walk in darkness. Even though Jesus said, follow me and you'll never walk in darkness. It's like I, I still have this bent, this orientation that sends me to dark places. I go to dark places in my mind. I, I fear and I, I forget who I am in the Lord and I forget the future home that I have in heaven. And so I, I wander away from the light and into darkness. And some of us, we are one thing in the light and we're another thing in the dark because we somehow think God can't see in the dark. And so we do things in the dark because like nobody's going to find that out. Nobody's ever going to know. Do you, do you realize God can see in the dark? And so one day all of that's going to be revealed. The best thing you can do now is to bring all of that into the light. And 
And realize that when God begins to convict your heart of sin, you don't have to stay in that dark place alone. You bring that into the light, into a community of believers and have them pray for you so that they can shine their light into your dark place. And then you can do the same. And the Great Commission involves this. Notice, not just walking in the light, but as we walk in the light, we're exposing the deeds of darkness. And so crazy thing. Like Jesus said, I am the light. And then he turns it around in Matthew chapter five. He's like, you are the light. Like I thought it was darkness. Yeah. Only as I attach myself to Jesus, do I have any potential to shine brightly for the Lord? So shine brilliantly, follow brilliantly. Don't do in the dark things that you say you wouldn't do in the light. Here's the, the third thing. Follow hopefully follow hopefully. Look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. This is the last page of the Bible. We covered a lot of ground today. First page of the Bible, last page. I preached the whole Bible to you today. Last page of the Bible. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. It gives us hope. No matter how much tragedy or sickness or depression or pain, no matter how much you've been sinned against or experienced injustice in this world, you don't have to live as a victim. You look forward to the day that one day God will set right things that we currently experience that are wrong. And so if you are in a deep sadness, if you are discouraged and feeling defeated, if there is despair or even a sense of worthlessness or depression, understand that if you can look forward to the day that has been promised to us where darkness will be no more, it brings a joy and a life to get up every day and move with Christ as we walk in the life. If you are dealing with addictions and you're feeling like, can't get set free. Understand there's hope and the light can break those addictions. If, if somehow you feel like you have to harm yourself, if there's this compelling sense to cut or to hurt or to harm yourself or even to turn it outwardly to others, look forward to the day when the darkness will be lifted and you can live today and walk in the light. Here's the final thing. Follow decisively. John 3, you know John 3, 16, you ever heard of that verse? Three verses later, Jesus says this, the light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because of their works, because they were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. You don't passively respond to light. You decisively choose how you're going to deal with the light. And for some of us, the light of Jesus is rather irritating 
because it shines into the dark places, it means that we're, if we follow Jesus, we have to reorient our lives around the light. Jesus didn't come just to brighten your little day. He came to be the sun in the solar system of your life that everything else revolves around that shines light on every other component part of your life, your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your mission in life, the way you treat your neighbors, the way you water your grass, the way you do your taxes, all has to do with your orientation to the light. You don't have to be afraid of the dark, but you better not be afraid of the light. Even as God's word goes out, it illuminates and every time the light goes out, I have to make a choice how I'm going to respond to it. Am I going to reorient my life or am I going to put my shades on and just kind of turn it and go in a different direction? This is the way I'd like to end. I, I've really been praying for you this week and I've just thought about how your life is much like mine. I go to dark places. I've been in dark places. I've wrestled with depression. I've wrestled with grief. I've wrestled with discouragement, just wondering. It's like it seems like everything's tanking toward the darkness, and can the light overcome it? I want to ask you in just a moment to stand if you are having debilitating encounters with darkness. And maybe it's just like in my marriage, I, we can't seem to communicate right. We can't seem to get on the same page. Maybe it's you're seeing this in your children and you have a burden for somebody that you love and they're walking in darkness. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe there's a gripping sense of fear and anxiety in your heart. I, and I want to invite you to do something. If, if any of those things apply to you, would you just... Would you just stand right now? I want to pray for you. And um, I know it's kind of humbling, like do this and a bunch of people. I don't even know these people. And matter of fact, why don't we just bow our heads, close our eyes. And, and um, if you're in, in any way experiencing a battle with darkness, would you just stand right now? Matter of fact, everybody just stand because the rest of you are lying. Everybody here <laughs> is dealing with darkness. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to give you a moment there. Reflect back on the claim that Jesus made. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this present darkness to be the light of the world. I want to pray for my friends right now, those of us that are experiencing the darkness in debilitating ways and feeling a sense of fear, anxiety. Would you overcome those paralyzing emotions with a sense of your power and renew faith and trust and dependence on you? The enemy of our souls is working to keep us in dark places in our emotions. He wants to distort those God-given emotions and take us to dark places. Some of us standing right now are filled with sadness and discouragement and despair. 
So Father, would you open the eyes of our heart to see what is causing this distortion in our emotions and lift us out of the feelings of sadness and despair. Bring the light of your joy. Some of us here are living in the darkness of sin and disobedience. And Lord, I pray that where there is sin, you'd reveal it and we would bring it into the light. Bring conviction and confession and repentance. Bring new levels of freedom and love and of obedience and worship because of the forgiveness that Christ offers because of his work on the cross. And for those of us that are under the bondage of shame and guilt, I ask that they be set free by the power of the blood of Jesus. For there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Shine the light of the gospel into dark places in our hearts, in our minds. And Father, for those of us who have been hurt by the sins of others, and whether it's caused emotional pain, maybe it's because of physical abuse or any other form of injustice, may the power to forgive flow to us and the, the power of forgiveness flow through us so that all feelings of bitterness and resentment are released, resulting in a newfound freedom in Christ. Father, for those of us who are feeling compelled to participate in self-harm or even to harm others, let your power flow to break all desire for the fulfillment of those desires. Replace those dark desires with the light of your love and grace. And we pray for release from all addictions in the name of Jesus. Replace those desires with the light of hopeful confidence in your power to break every stronghold in the name of Jesus. And Father, the, the enemy is our deceiver. He's the master of half-truths. And so to the, to the degree that any of us are accepting his lies or participating in them, I ask now that you open the eyes of our hearts and grant us the power and the desire to walk in the light. Jesus, you are the light of the world. We choose in this moment, afresh and anew, to follow you fearlessly, brilliantly, and hopefully, and decisively. In Jesus' name we pray.